Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden. Internal Medicine Physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. As we mentioned a bit ago, it's an open line show. Uh, if you're new to that, that means you can ask your general health questions for Dr. David Hilden. Good morning, doctor. Good to see you. Good morning, Denny. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. And you are too? I'm doing really well. It's been a, been a pretty good week. Uh, Busy at the hospital? Yeah, it's been, yeah, it has been. Actually, you know, we had a, a, I shouldn't say that, but a slower start to 2018 in terms of people in, actually in the hospital. You know, hospitals track this stuff just like businesses do. And probably, unfortunately for the public, business picked up this fall. Starting to see a little bit more of the respiratory stuff, and uh, not a lot not, of folks colds. Yeah, yeah. About right colds. now we're getting yeah. a lot of colds, a lot of viral kind of things, and and I've seen some kids. Um, partic- no, I I don't see kids, but right. they've been in the hospital with you know just a little viral thing in a two year old can be a big deal. So we're starting to see a little bit of that, and um, yeah, it's it's picking up a little bit. Just uh, uh, we're gonna do an open line show today, so we're gonna we're gonna hear for get everybody else's questions. But I do have to give a shout out to my mom. It's my mom's birthday today. Your mom's birthday. And she always shows up at the state. She fair. She shows up at the state fair. Another person who shows up at the state fair. Her name is Jeanette. I think it's her birthday tomorrow. So we got you covered, Joan and Jeanette. Happy birthday! We're gonna go out to the Guthrie tonight, and it's gonna be a nice night out um, uh, well, for my mom. So happy birthday to your mom. That's great. All right. Uh, if you want to get involved, if you do have a question, and you know we tend to get busy when we do an open line show, so take advantage of it, 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you'd like to fill it, 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, send uh, Dr. Hilden your text, that number, 81807, 81807. You know, you talk about kids, and I know we hadn't planned to talk about this, but I, I heard on CBS again this morning about more cases of this, I can't even pronounce it for this polio-like uh, deal. Oh with, with yeah, kids. yeah, th- yeah. That one was a that's a scary one. It really, and is. I don't know what. It's, see, it's AMF, which is um, uh, it's uh, flaccid paralysis. AF, AFP. I can't even remember the yeah, name I know. of it. I, I should have thrown that to you. No, <laughs> no, but it's um, it is polio-like, and that's what um, it it, it attacks your nerves. 
And it's real. It's been making the national news even. Yes. And so the, I know they're really trying to figure out what's going on with that. And that's got to be so scary for kids. I I did see one one family, um, the parents of a kid, say it's just terrifying. You know, your yeah. kid can't use their 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 young child couldn't use his arm. Yeah. And we're not really sure why that is. Just goes to show we don't really have all the info, no, don't we? It's, it's early. Um, I do want to uh, make a couple of uh, um, a couple quick announcements. Yesterday we had our hernia event at the Clinic and Specialty Center. Well, a lot of interest oh, there. Holy cow! So we've never done that before. Um, mostly we're doing it to to highlight the fact that surgical techniques have come so far. This isn't just some, you know, guy with a machete. You know, <laughs> not that it ever was. But now we have robotic surgery. And um, so when John Crook and Ashley Merrick, two of our surgeon friends, um, came on the show, we talked about this hernia event. Well, it was yesterday, and they got way more people that, than we even thought. Many um, had actual hernias. They had it looked at, and they got to see and get their hands on the robot themselves. And so it was a great event. So thanks to everybody who was coming out. If you want more information about getting your hernia um, looked at by one of our talented surgeons, uh, you can go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash hernia, and you can get information. The event already passed. It was yesterday, but the information's still there, and you can learn how to get in touch with our surgeons. It was a great event, and, and many people are going to get their, get relief just by coming to that. We have another event coming up on Tuesday. It's also at the Clinic and Specialty Center. This one's about for people with um, back or spinal nerve problems and physical therapy. We're doing a free informational event. That's this this coming Tuesday, October sixteenth at noon. It's actually at twelve fifteen, but it's in the Clinic and Specialty Center at down in downtown Minneapolis. Parking's available underneath the clinic, and you can get a free tour of the gym and talk to a physical therapist about nerve and spinal cord uh, problems. That's that's just in two days' time on 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 uh, the sixteenth. So. Lots of stuff going on, yeah. and if, if the hernia event was uh, any indication, um, people are, are hungry for some information and to kind of see the place where you're going to get your, your medical care before you actually need it. So, All right, excellent. 651-989-9226. This is an open line show, and let's get to the phones. Dr. Kathy in uh, Shakopee, I believe, is uh, first up here. Thank you, Kathy. What is your question for Dr. Hilden? Um, yes, my husband has type 2 diabetes, and uh, he's doing just fine. He takes no insulin or uh, medicine or anything. And he also now has arthritis on his knees and can get a cortisone shot. And then someone told us that cortisone shot in the knee would bring up his blood sugar. Is that correct? It can be, Kathy. That's a really good question. And it's kind of one of, it's kind of one of the finer points of those two things, diabetes and arthritis. Diabetes is, of course, some too much blood sugar in your bloodstream and and um, and your body's inability to use it very well. Cortisone is a type of steroid. Now, it's not the bodybuilder type of steroids. You won't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan movies, but it will be. Um, it is a. It's it's called a, a corticosteroid, which is an anti-inflammatory that makes it good for knees. It does have the um, very reliably raises blood sugars when you put it into a person's bloodstream. In other words, if I were to give you a, um, an injection of cortisone into your bloodstream or if I were to give you a pill that contained the same thing, that would get into your bloodstream and it really does um, have implications for people with diabetes. It's a little less of an issue when it's put into your knee. So I don't want to say he can't get these cortisone shots because um, the the amount that gets into your bloodstream is a little bit less. 
However, it does have the chance of raising his blood sugars. So anytime anybody um, with diabetes is getting cortisone put into their body anywhere, including the knee, you have to watch your blood sugars very closely. I would say it's not you can't. It, it's not prohibited, but something to keep an eye out for. All right. Good question. Thank you, Kathy. Barry is uh, calling uh, on the phone with a question. Go ahead, Barry. The doctor's listening. Yeah, I was wondering about the availability of the uh, two-dose shingles shot. I know earlier there was a uh, shortage of the second dose, and I postponed getting it because I was concerned that I couldn't get the second shot in uh, the time frame prescribed. I was wondering if they're more available now. That's a great question, Barry, and the answer is probably not. Um, this one, a, a few months ago, I was actually saying on, on the air, oh, yeah, you can get your shingle shots. Go for it. Well, I was using the correct medical advice. You should get a shingle shot if you're over the age of 50, five, zero. Um, it's a good shot, but it is a two-series shot, and Barry brings up a really good point. It is in – we're having a hard time getting a hold of it. Uh, I, I am not um, – I I don't have inside information about why that is, but um, I have a hunch that that demand for it is outstripping their uh, what they thought because it's so good. This is a good shot. Nothing's perfect, but this one's really good. So I do still recommend getting it, but but it is in somewhat short supply, and I don't know when that's going to be over. It is. um, It's out there. So so the shot the the vaccine doses are out there, but clinics and places are running out. And so then they're on back order. So my suggestion is always to call the place where you're going to get it. Call your clinic and see if they have an adequate supply. Um, Because, uh, as Barry mentioned, it's a two-shot series. So make sure they have an adequate supply. All right. Thanks, Barry. Let's see. Uh, Gloria is calling from Spicer, I believe. Gloria, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I have a two-part question. My first question is, is last week my sister came down with a god-awful cold. And she said, oh, I sat at my grandson's football game and got chilled to the bone, and I caught a cold. Do you really catch a cold from getting cold? That one's an easy one. No, you don't. That's a, that one might go under the old uh, um, you, you, you mythology. Just, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. you can't get it from that. It is caused by a virus. Oh, well, that's what I told her. But You're right yeah, on, my, Gloria. <laughs> yeah, my next question is, is there anything – you can do to boost your immune system. Well, that's a a, a more t- a tougher question, Glory. Uh, um, probably, I think so. Um, there are some ways. You know, you know. I say you can't get it from being out in the cold, and that is the truth. You you can't get it, but there has to be a virus in the air. But there are some um, ways that you might try to make yourself stronger. I would say things like a general healthy lifestyle, and the first thing that came to my mind is sleep. Make sure you're getting adequate sleep, adequate nutrition. Make sure you're you're um, you're exercising um, during your day. So those just kind of general um, lifestyle tips make your immune system robust and make your whole body um, stronger. So if you're lying around a lot, uh, that 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 might be one thing to do. There are relatively few other things that you can take and say pill form. I am not a, a, a supporter, if you will, of all the supplements that you can take. For a while there, people thought vi- vitamin C prevented the common cold, and that is not the case. Um, there's no evidence that that's true. Um, and so there's probably not a supplement I could recommend to do that other than just kind of general um, health advice. Uh, kind of on the vitamin C thing, 
uh, uh, one example of that is antioxidants. Antioxidants are good for you. They're good for your body. Um, that natural process uh, um, is helpful to fight off illness and disease and keep a person healthy. So therefore, we all think that we should take um, eat antioxidants. Well, the data on what you should eat or what supplement you should take, even though they have antioxidant properties, is just not clear. So are there any supplements to do it? I don't. Um, I can't really think so. So healthy living, keep your, um, uh, your sleep patterns good. And if you have allergies, for instance, maybe keep those under control because that, that can mimic a cold. And if you have a cold and an allergy, that's probably not a, not a good situation. I think about when, you're, uh, when Gloria is uh, in a crowd, in the case of that, like a, a, a football game. But what about uh, a transit, airplanes, buses, so, so sneezing? Those, are good, what, those what? are good ideas. You know, that's a, Denny, that's a really good, a really good point that, that I should make. Sitting at a football game, you're probably okay except for the person right next to you. Yeah. But – on other places where you're crowded, airplanes come to mind, the flying Petri dishes yes. and um, buses and football games, you know, like at the Vikings. The big deal is you can get the cold virus through droplets. And so the droplets of someone sneezing on you make your skin crawl if you ever saw it. <laughs> and those droplets get on surfaces, though. And so uh, when when you're grabbing the the bar to hold on in the light rail like I do on the way to sure. work. I'm just imagining all the droplets that have been on that, um, that railing. So, that's a, so that brings up the other good point that I should have mentioned earlier. Wash your hands. Wash your hands frequently. And that will be – that's probably more than anything else I said. Yeah. Danny brought up a, a better point. Wash your hands frequently. That's probably the best way to prevent a cold. All right, good deal. We'll take a quick break. We have more show to come. It's an open line show. Those folks on the line, hang on. We'll get your phone calls and your questions answered, as well as the text number as well. Good Sunday morning. It's Healthy Matters on the air, and we're doing an open line show. Your general health questions, you are driving the show either by phone or by text. You know, we haven't grabbed a text message for a while. Yeah, let me just do a couple real quick ones. One of them says, doesn't your body, this is relative to can you get a cold, uh, a viral cold when you're out in the cold and this texter says, doesn't your body have a harder time fighting off germs and viruses if it's busy keeping you warm from sitting at a cold football game, like the caller was saying? And there is no evidence of that either. Your body um, uh, has a good has got good thermal regulation, and it is if there were no viruses in the air, it could be 20 below or 10, 20 above or 60. You're not going to get a cold if there were no viruses. You have to get it from the virus. Um, and out at a football game, I, I would say that's actually a relatively uh, low-risk place um, okay. for it. Um, one more um, sure. about the shingles vaccine. Somebody said on the text line, got my first shingle shot and now getting messages in my chart about getting the second one, but the clinic is out and still out. If I can't get the second one in the right time, do I need to start over? The answer to that is no. So the shingle shot is supposed to be given, you get the first one, and then two to six months later, in that big four-month window, you get the second one. If you can't get the second one in that window of two to six months, get it when you can, after six months. Get it at seven months or eight months or nine months or ten months. You do not need to start over. It's considered adequate. You need two total. Now, I guess I don't know what to say if you fail to get the second one at all mm-hmm. and you wait five or eight years, you should probably start over. But, but uh, no, if you miss that two- to six-month window, just go ahead and get the second right. one when it becomes available. 
Back to the phones we go. Donald is calling from uh, Farmington. Donald, you're on CCO with the doctor. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are both 82 years of age, and for the last six days about, we we wake up or during the day we get so unbalanced, so dizzy, and really not don't really feel real sick to our stomach, but a little bit. It'll go away and it'll come back again. What what could this be? Yeah, Donald. You know what's what's concerning to me is that it's both of you, and it's new for both of you. That's correct. This is both you and your wife, and it's just in the last six days. Right. Yeah. So that makes me think of something in your environment, and and um, for instance, um, carbon monoxide comes to mind almost immediately. Um, when two people who are living together are having new kind of dizzy-like symptoms, maybe even a little nausea, that that's at least possible. I'm not saying this is the case, but it's at least possible that you're having some uh, – you're inhaling something. And so I would make sure – maybe did your furnace come on? Um, and, do, and, and so that would be the – in fact, that's a, something I would do right away. I would make sure that all your heating elements are okay. Do you have carbon monoxide detectors in your home, Donald? Yes. And they're okay? Yes, but we go outside and, it, and we don't feel any different. Yeah. Well, it might take uh, it could be building up. I I I would honestly keep looking looking at your boiler or your furnace or any any devices. So that's the first thing because that can build up slowly and it catches up on people and you just and that's not a good situation. So just make sure on that one. Um okay. other than that, if it's happening to both of you, um I'm I'm at a loss because uh I I can't imagine what um something other than what you're both ingesting. Now, one possibility other than carbon monoxide could be food related. It could be that you both got a hold of something. It could be it, it could be something in medications if you both uh um were taking a medication or a vitamin, something that you both ingested. Um what I would suggest you do is is uh one of you or both of you go have it checked out though. Uh, I would see, I would have them do some basic blood tests and just make sure um, that there's not something that's floating around in your bloodstream, either through something you inhaled or something you ingested. Those would be the two things. Beyond that dizziness in older adults, it does require some looking at. um, Not as emergent as, say, carbon monoxide. That's an emergency. But but things like... Our neighbor lady has got the same thing. Who? Our neighbor lady. She does? Yeah. Are you in an apartment building or in a home? No, we're in our own home. We're out in the farm. Oh. Hmm. Boy, and if your neighbor has it as well, do you, all, do you use the same well water or is it no. sitting? No, we're nowhere near each other. But hmm. Yeah. So I would, I would, beyond those things that I've already mentioned, okay. um, things that can happen. You can have um, vascular problems. Now, I'm talking about a single individual. It would not likely happen to three people. But if they're all older people, it could be coincidence. You could have vascular problems, TIA kind of symptoms. Uh, you could be having some heart issues. In other words, your heart maybe is irregular or not beating quite as strongly. Your blood pressure could be dropping, things like that. Those are all things a doctor can very easily check out. Okay. But I'm at a loss for why both you and your wife. You, Danny, uh, I'm just wondering, Donald, can you tell us how you have newer CO detectors in every room that you uh, live? No, we don't have them in every room, just upstairs. Yeah, because um, all of us here in the studio are kind of 
think in that same way um, is that this is so when it happens to more than one person, I would make sure I would really make sure I would have your furnace inspected. Look for the heat exchanger. Make sure it's not um, make sure it's it's vented properly. Make sure you're not, you don't have a gas stove or a propane thing. I would advise your neighbor to as well. You know, at, at the hospital where I work, we see um, carbon monoxide all the time mm-hmm. from people who had no no idea that anything was going on. And it starts out, what does it start out like? Just what you're describing, Donald, a little dizziness, a little queasiness. A little nauseated. A little nauseated, and you don't feel quite right. And then it eventually gets to more sleepiness, and and, um, then you can't, then you get a little bit confused. You're not thinking clearly, and and you get a little, your mental status gets a little, little off. You just get a little bit off, and then eventually it can lead all the way to coma and even death. I'm not suggesting that's what you have, but I agree with both um, Denny and Dennis here in the studio. We're all thinking I would make sure your carbon monoxide detectors are okay. And we just, I know we have to break in a minute, but Donald and our listeners, we just got a, a call from a firefighter who said uh, some cases it could be, maybe not this, a, a natural gas leak in multiple residences. Yeah, 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 up. yeah, yeah. So, right, right. So, what what Dennis is saying, our studio engineer here is saying, that, is that he just talked to a firefighter, and it could be natural gas. Yeah, usually, um, and you wouldn't s- smell that necessarily. Not necessarily if it's backing up into the home. I think you're right about getting a furnace in. Uh, in a I would get somebody there, get, to check it out. All of us are an a little bit concerned about it. Yeah, yeah, I would do that like right away. That's I would. <laughs> Donald, good luck. To you, and if you have an answer, and uh, you get it, call us back sometime and and, and let us know. But uh, the best to you, uh, Doctor Edlin. We have to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. However, so if you miss getting in, the folks on the line stay there, and texters will answer yours as well. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. What does that mean? That means you're driving the show. Your phone calls and text messages for Doctor David Hilden, your host. And as you can see, Doctor Hilden, we have. Uh, both phone calls and text messages. Indeed we do. Let me give you the phone number because there uh, there is one line open at 651-989-9226. A text number, that's 81807. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Carl is calling from St. Paul. Carl, you're on the CCO with Dr. Hilden. Good morning, Dr. Hilden. Say, uh, two questions, actually. Uh, okay, the first one is I have uh, kind of a, it, I do plantar fasciitis in my left foot. And the second question I have is I uh, had back in 13, I had to retire. I had five blood clots and so forth, but I don't know if it has anything to do with it. Um, I have kind of an ulcer on my uh, bottom, just right below my ankle bone. And I did go to the uh, foot doctor with it and so forth and had it treated. And they put a, a Band-Aid on it that had zinc in it. It's like a cloth-like and so forth. And it kind of comes down. So when I wear a shoe, it kind of wears on it a little bit, and it kind of comes back. What could I put on that? And I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, Carl. Before you do, before you do, if you're still there, um, yeah, I, I do need to ask: Are you a diabetic by chance? Do you have no, diabetes? This borderline. Okay. Okay. So the first thing that Carl's talking about is plantar fasciitis. That is heel pain and pain on the bottom of your foot. It can go all the way from like your Achilles tendon down the bottom and sides of your heel and into the arch of your foot. Your plantar fascia is that big, tough, ligamentous material that makes up the heel and the arch of your foot. 
when it gets little micro tears or microscopic inflammation, it can hurt a lot. It can hurt like a big dog. I can tell you that I've had that before, and it really hurts. Um, the The treatments are to try to figure out what was causing it, and it's usually it's usually poor footwear or um, being on your feet a long time with poor footwear or or maybe a new increased level of activity such as like a, like you started running or you started walking or you walked around the state fair or something. Um, and so if you have it, the things to do are make sure you have good footwear. That's the get – a, get a good person to um, measure you and get you in the right size shoe. And, and uh, things like – and this might not be Carl's situation, but things like um, dress shoes or for women high heels, these are not good for your feet. Um, and if you get dress shoes, make sure that they have also good support and they have good um, uh, um, the right size. So that's what you do to prevent it. You can go to a foot specialist like a podiatrist and they can try injections or even surgeries. But in all honesty, I don't recommend that as the first step or the second step. Um, you can try ibuprofen for pain. So those are some suggestions for plantar fasciitis. As for the ulcer on your ankle bone, I asked if Carl had diabetes. And actually, I used a term I don't like to use, and I'm going to rescind what I said. I said, are you a diabetic? I'm trying not to use that kind of language. Do you have diabetes? And we're not – I'm trying not to – that's an older term when you label the person by their disease. That's not a good thing to do. So I, I apologize for that. What I mean is does Carl have diabetes? And he said it's just borderline. The reason being ulcers and wounds on your feet are a big deal for people with diabetes, and that should, that should take special consideration and special care to make sure that your diabetes is under control. As for getting that thing healed, I would try some bacitracin or some ointment on it and just cover it loosely with a, a two-inch um, gauze that you can get at the, at the drugstore. You probably don't want whatever you put over it, whatever bandage you put over it, to adhere to the wound. You don't want that. So that's why I put a little ointment under it. But if, you, if you're having trouble with a wound that's not healing of any kind on your feet, I would see a wound specialist. We have them at Hennepin. Where I work in downtown Minneapolis, the Center for Wound Healing right on Park Avenue, they're fantastic at this. They have mostly nurses who are experts at all the various kind of bandages, and they're experts at wounds. They can tell you what's working, what's not working. So I do suggest maybe seeing a wound specialist if it does not heal in a week or two or three. All right. Very good. Good luck, Carl. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Before we get some text messages, Dave is calling from Invergrove Heights, I believe. Dave, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, my question, which I'm not, I'm not going to ask it right yet, but it's going to be about the relationship, if any, between the flu shot and Julian Barre, and I probably pronounce it wrong, Julian Barre syndrome. Now, my, well, I'm 85, my wife is 83. We've always been healthy, and we've always gotten the flu shots. We have some longtime personal friends. I mean, 60-year 60 personal friends who, from this area, have been living in in New Jersey for quite a while, and we still correspond, et cetera, et cetera. Now, my own belief in, in, uh, in clinical trials is, is, is worse than zero. I think they are deliberate, and this is from two things, uh, three things, personal, personal experience, okay, and, and two studies that I read about. I didn't read the studies. One was from Lancet. One was from the New England Journal of Medicine, and both studied clinical trials and found significant flaws, either in design, implementation, or reporting, 
in roughly three-quarters of those. Now, if, if people think that the police blue line is <laughs> impenetrable, try working with doctors. I have never, never heard a doctor willing to criticize another doctor. Well, no. hey, 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 Dave, do you want, are you ready to hear a doctor willing to criticize another doctor? Well, uh, I will. <laughs> my, question, my question, I'm finally getting to it. My question is the relationship, if any, between the flu shot and the onset of Julian Barre. All right, that's okay. the question. Those are good questions, and you bring up good terms. So the, it, it's called GBS or Guillain, G-U-I-L-L-A-I-N, Guillain hyphen Barre syndrome. So this is a real, very rare, but real consequence of uh, it's a neurologic problem and it is real and yes you can get it um, from the flu shot so that one there is an association with Guillain-Barre and flu shots it is extraordinarily extraordinarily is probably hyperbole it's it's it is uncommon so the vast majority of people do not get Guillain-Barre syndrome Um, so that one I think you uh, I will acknowledge that I will also acknowledge that many medical studies are flawed in fact I do read The Lancet and I do read the New England Journal of Medicine and almost every clinical trial ever done has a section in it called limitations. It's near the end of the study. It's a paragraph or two where the physicians or the researchers who did the studies tell you everything that is failing in their own research. They say things like, well, we only studied this in 1,000 people so we don't know if we can generalize it to the whole population or – we only studied this in men, so we can't tell you if it's also effective in women. And you get the gist. They, they self-disclose what the limitations are of their studies. So that's one. Secondly, you are also, I believe there are biases in clinical studies, often based on funding. And so um, the highest quality studies are done at academic centers that are funded by the public, by you and me. If this, if a, a National Institute of Health funding, if the United States government is funding it, it is far less um, likely to be biased than if it is done by private industry. That being said, there is a role for private industry funding as well. But you have to look at seeing who's paying for the research. And also, research is only as good as the current state of knowledge. We used to think everybody should be on estrogen, and the research said it was the case, and we were wrong. I don't think anyone's trying to deceive you, David. I don't think doctors are really trying to – there's any ulterior motive, and it's certainly not about not wanting to criticize one another. At my work all day long, all we do is yell about what each other's (laughs) doing wrong, and we talk all the time about the limitations of the current research. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have validity. The reason 80,000 people died from influenza last year, a record for decades, was because people didn't get the flu shot. And the data is crystal clear that 80,000 people died. Many of them could have prevented with the flu shot. That's the state of medical science today. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. I actually loved your phone call, Dave. I like, I, you're thinking about this stuff. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> but can keep getting your flu shot. All right, good. Uh, I know we have to break here pretty quickly, but Pete is calling in from Otsego. Let's see if we can't get Pete's question answered. Good morning, Pete. Yes, good morning. Uh, I was listening about plantar fasciitis, which I'm suffering from now, and, and I take Tylenol. It doesn't work. I've been told that because I had bypass and three stints, I should stay away from ibuprofen. I was just wondering why is 
that not recommended for people with heart issues. Yeah, you're right, um, Pete. Um, Tylenol isn't going to do anything for your plantar fasciitis. And ibuprofen is usually discouraged in people with heart disease. It can lead to... Um, uh, worsening heart failure and the like. And if your heart is really strong after your bypass and you don't have heart failure and everything and you're not having chest pain from your heart, an occasional ibuprofen isn't gonna is probably safe. But for people with chronic heart disease with a with poor heart function, in other words, chronic heart failure, we do discourage ibuprofen. That doesn't leave you many options. Um, but uh, I think if you um, if you're having a a, a a short-term problem and it's probably and I have to say probably because I'm not your doctor and I can't make specific medical recommendations, the risk is probably quite low to taking ibuprofen for a short period of time. That being said, I wouldn't take it for months on end. I wouldn't tell anybody with or without heart disease to take ibuprofen for months on end. But for a short period of time, it sounds like it might be okay for you. But that's why we give that recommendation. All right, let's take a quick break. As usual, we have more show to come. It's an open line show on Healthy Matters this morning. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. This open line show means you're driving the show, your phone calls, text messages, and a bunch of both, Dr. Hilden. Uh, you want to grab a couple Yeah, of let's text? do some text messages, Denny. I'll read them. The first one says, can sciatic pain in your butt radiate down to the side of the knee? Yes. Um, your sciatic nerve is a big honking nerve that starts in your lower back, goes down the side of your rear end, and it goes down the back and side of your leg, past your knee, down your calf, all the way down into your foot. So, yes, sciatic nerve pain can radiate to the side of the knee. It's usually a problem up higher in your back. Next question. What are the long-term effects of long-term laxative use? Thank you from uh, Michelle and Mankato for that. Um, uh, laxatives can can lead to a couple things. In, um, in nutritionally, they can lead to, to digestive problems because you don't absorb nutrients very well because you're just moving things through your body um, too, too much. So you get nutritional deficiencies. That's, a, that's a, one of them. Some of them have other problems like kidney problems if you're taking them too much. Um, some of the phosphate-related laxatives can lead to some kidney problems. Laxative use is a big problem in people with eating disorders. Um, uh, uh, the surreptitious use of laxatives can lead to all kinds of problems along the lines of eating disorders. So um, if you're an older adult with constipation, which is so common, a daily spoonful of a laxative is going to be just fine. But, but, and and the, the, the long-term effects are not bad in that case. But those other conditions I mentioned, it can be a problem. Here's one that says, I'm having an extra lead put in my pacemaker under anesthesia after not being able to before, but was told a chest tube will be placed. What does that involve? Uh, I don't know why they'd be putting a chest tube in. A chest tube is, an, is a reason to drain fluid or air or blood from your chest cavity, from the area around your lungs. I'm not sure why they would be doing that in this case. The ext- uh, uh, I'm, I'm just not sure, unless they're opening up the, wa- the wall of your your chest to put in a pacemaker of device of some kind. To drain. It's usually to drain something out. I'm not sure to that texture. Time for another one. Here's one that says, my 21-year-old doctor, I wonder if she means daughter or he, my 20, 29-year-old had her cholesterol checked recently. Her total was 97, LDL was 26, HDL was 56, and non-HDL was 41. Her employer gives money to her HSA, but she didn't get the bonus because her numbers are outside the healthy range. Her doctor's not concerned. What's up with that? Well, you know, to this texter, I'm not concerned either. That that 29-year-old's cholesterol profile looks awesome. Her, you know, yes, it's outside the normal range. 
that's lower than the normal range. Your 29-year-old daughter, has, your cholesterol is lower. But it's, is it outside the healthy range? Heck no. That looks pretty darn good to me. I think the only thing they're probably worried about is an H, uh, LDL of 26. We always tell people get your LDL as low as you can, and, and that's very low. And you do need some cholesterol. So I suppose that's what they're, they're worried about. But I'm not concerned either. Unless, unless your 29-year-old daughter also is having um, nutritional problems for whatever reason. Maybe this is a, an elite athlete. Maybe this is a person who doesn't eat healthy. Maybe this is a person with an eating disorder. Those things could be unhealthy. All right. How about this one? Do I sure. answer that? Oh, here's one that I, I'm going to bring up just because it's fun. Is kombucha safe to drink? What is that? So... I don't know. You know, my kid lives in L.A., and I see a lot of kombucha. Now I'm seeing it a lot around many of us. Kombucha, as far as I know, is mildly fermented tea. And it's all the rage, and it's supposed to be good for you. It might be. Um, tea is generally kind of good for you. It might have antioxidants in there. Is it safe to drink? I don't know. It's, got, it's mildly alcoholic. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Jonathan, isn't it a little bit of alcohol in there? Jonathan's does, running the show here now. Yes, it does have a little bit of alcohol. It's, uh, it's mainly known for its probiotics. Uh, to help out with the digestive system and that sort of thing. So that's, that's, that's all good. Yep. So, so, you know, is it a proven health benefits? Probably not, but that is all good. Probiotics is probably good, and a little bit of tea is probably good, probably some antioxidants in there. I tried it once, though, I have to say. I'm not a Just fan. Just once. This stuff was nasty. <laughs> but, you know, if, if it's your thing, have at it. All right, let's go back to the phones. Beth has been waiting there in Coon Rapids. Beth, uh, good morning. What is your question? Well, actually, it's a comment. Uh, about 30 years ago, my daughter had Guillain-Barre syndrome. It was terrifying. She was partially paralyzed. She ended up with Bell's palsy. It, it was something that we were told. It took a lot of diagnosis to come up with a lot of doctoring to figure out what the diagnosis was. But the upshot of the whole thing was they said it probably came from a bad attack of the flu that she had had. And forever she is, she may not have a flu shot. And that makes it kind of complicated because she's a school teacher. Absolutely. And, but it's something to be incredibly cautious about. Yeah, Beth, your points are good ones. This is a real deal. Guillain-Barre, I've seen some awful cases. I've seen mild cases where people get some weird neurologic thing in their hands or in their arms, and then they get better. And I've seen what you've talked about, some more significant ones, including hospitalization and very sick people who need very complicated treatments. So that would be scary. I'm glad she's um, um, 30 years later doing okay, but your point is a good one. Guillain-Barre is a big deal. It is relatively uncommon. I do have to point that out, but best points are good ones. Very good. I know we have uh, about a minute or so to go, but, you know, I think it might be good to remind for physical therapy you mentioned. Before. Right, right. Thanks, Denny. Um, we're having an event this Tuesday in two days' time at 12.15 to 1, right over the lunch hour, in the physical therapy gym at the Clinic and Specialty Center at Hennepin Healthcare. If you're concerned about um, brain, or brain or spinal or other nerve conditions, perhaps from cancer. We're going to have a group of physical therapists just giving little tours and showing people around about how to get rehabilitation. That's at um, 1215, Tuesday, October 16th at the New Clinic and Specialty Center. 
um, at 715 South A Street in Minneapolis. Parking's available below the ramp. As always, go to hennepinhealthcare.org. For more information, I did want to tell people, you know, the My Healthy Matters blog is still up and running. I've been busy, so I haven't done very much lately with it, but please go and check it out, myhealthymatters.org. I'll be putting some new posts up in the coming weeks. That's always a a good way to stay connected. And I really want to tell you about next week's study. We're going to talk about whether or not older, healthy adults over age 60 or 70 should take a daily aspirin. The international study was just completed at Hennepin County Medical Center, and we're going to talk about it next week with the researcher. Excellent. That's next week's show. We hope you uh, join us then for more Healthy Matters. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.